Hello and welcome to the Green Techpreneur podcast. Today I'll be speaking to Anas Alcasas, founder and CEO of Innovus. Innovus is breaking down barriers to innovation in commercial real estate. Anas has developed the only patented solution in its class to transform existing building facades with the latest energy saving and smart glass innovations. Innovus already participated in several accelerators and received a number of awards, including one from Bill Gates' Breakthrough Energy. Today, we'll be learning about how it all got started and the incredible change that Innovus will be bringing to a typically very stubborn and change-averse sector. Anas, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Maria. Thank you for having me. Um, can you just start by sharing a little bit about your background and where your interest in sustainability first came from? Sure. Um, uh, my background is in architecture. So I'm an architect. Um, uh, I'm originally from Syria. So I, I grew up in Damascus, graduated uh, uh, from Damascus University with a bachelor's degree in architecture. Um, I then worked uh, in Dubai for several years in the kind of facade manufacturing uh, and architectural industry, and then moved to Boston in the US, did my master's degree in architecture at the Boston Architectural College and then uh, uh, worked for uh, some interesting uh, architects, star architects, and, uh, and then started interviews uh, in 2017. So, Wow, that, that you've had quite a journey and uh, you, you've come a long way, I guess, you know, both in terms of what you've done, but also, you know, moving from, from Syria. Then did you say Israel? Uh, Syria, then Dubai, then okay, Dubai, Dubai, right. Boston, then now Houston. <laughs> right. Yeah. And where, at what point there did did you get the idea for for developing Innovus? Yeah. So it was uh, it was uh, in around 2015 uh, in Boston. Um, you know, I was uh, basically in a brainstorming session and uh, trying to come up with ideas that could have a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, while I was staring at the windows, you know, at my apartment, I thought, what if there was a way to really transform these windows uh, into smart systems without having to remove or replace anything at all? Uh, you know, again, I, I was thinking about ideas from from my background. You know, I have this kind of multidisciplinary experience in architecture, facade engineering. So uh, that was uh, when I started la- kind of researching, learning more about the process. And that's when I learned about the massive energy efficiency problem of uh, older buildings and that windows and facade, you know, represent a major chunk of that problem. Mm. So that's how it kind of kickstarted the process of doing some early market research and, and system development, technology development for the first year. So. And, and did you, did you always want to be an entrepreneur and were you sort of actively thinking and looking for the right idea or, or was it more something that kind of, happened organically you know one day you were you were thinking about it and had the idea it was intentional um you know intentional in a sense that uh i always tell people as an architect you know when you're working on a new project every new project is like a new startup it's like new idea uh a lot of times completely new challenges that the problem however for me was that you know, you're you're investing a lot in in every project, sometimes several years, yeah. but it's like a one-off prototype. Uh, you know, again, you go to the next project and you have to face the same challenges again. 
So I wanted to do something that is more scalable, where you, you know you work and invest your time and efforts to develop a technology that could help then many buildings and not just one, and, and can be scalable so that have a much bigger impact globally. So that's kind of the uh, kind of the the background behind or the context around why I wanted to kind of look for solutions or ideas that I can develop using my experience and uh, take it to make a bigger impact. Um. And before we go just a little bit more into the entrepreneurial journey and what it took to take that from idea to reality, can you explain a little bit more about the actual innovation that you're bringing to the market? Uh, you, you, so you said the key problems that it solves are that right now there's there's no way to basically upgrade the energy, uh, the, the the building facade for energy efficiency without taking it all apart, right? So that means there's been very little innovation. And in the space, and I imagine not many building upgrades and huge problems, especially now in the energy crisis that we've had. I know here in, in the UK, at least, it's it's absolutely terrible that the the inefficiency of the housing. And I think the government is trying to do a lot to change that. Um, but what you know, you, you've got a, you've got a unique solution. Can you just explain how it actually works? Yeah, I mean. Look, to, to simplify it as much as possible, it's you have what's existing right now in buildings. You know, um, there's single pane windows, there's uh, uh, inefficient facades. The challenge is how can you upcycle these systems without having to throw them away? How can you upgrade them to incorporate the latest technologies without having to install completely new systems, ship the existing to landfills and, and you're using new materials all, all, you know, all around, you know, from start, from, from scratch. So uh, the idea was to leverage what's existing to be part of the solution. So that's the core concept and develop something that utilize fewer materials. So right now the technology utilizes 70% fewer materials just to begin with. So that's, you can see the amount of, uh, you know, reduction in cost that could happen with that. And in, at the same time, it's it's very low carbon. You know, you're not kind of from a resource efficiency, you're not getting new materials to replace 100% of the existing. You're adding on top. Uh, the other thing is that uh, the technology and the systems are uh, prefabricated offsite. So you're cutting the installation cost by up to 80%. Wow. And then uh, uh, the, the way the system integrates with the existing uh, facade does not require removing, replacing, drilling, altering anything at all. So it's a very clean and easy installation process that, you know, if you factor all three uh, elements together, you'll see that we were able to reduce the cost of facade and window upgrades by up to 10 times. And, and that's what's necessary for, you know, for upgrades to be adopted by building owners, because at the end of the day, it needs to be financially attractive for them. Otherwise, you know, that's why facade replacement or window replacement is, is not that uh, well adopted and it's not a, a feasible solution to address the, this global problem. So cost and disruption was the main thing that we eliminated from, from the process developing this technology. Now I can dive deeper and, you know, talk about how we're turning single pane to double pane windows and creating this insulating glass retrofit on site and what kind of materials we're using in, into it. But um, I, I don't know if the time would allow us for, for all yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I, I mean, I think, I think I have a, a, you know, from the, from the key points you said, the, so the innovation you're bringing is fi- prefabricated um, 
replacement, right? Like sort of like a, with, it's, it's, it's a retrofit system. Window replacement and uh, double. It's not replacement. So it's it's a window retrofit system. So we're we're adding, we're upfitting the existing windows with a with our system, which is okay. you know, a, a retrofit with an additional layer of glass. So you're adding another layer on top of the facade or on top of the windows, creating an air gap between the existing glass and the newly added glass. Makes it insulated, creating a new weather barrier. And uh, the new piece of glass can be integrating some of the advanced technologies like transparent photovoltaic or uh, dynamic tinting or uh, vacuum insulated glass. So all of these now can be available for existing buildings at a fraction of the cost, no disruption, and no need to replace anything. Awesome. And and what's the what's the market opportunity? Well, the market is massive. I mean, it's largely untapped. Um, you know, if you're looking at the existing building stock in the U.S., for example, experts estimate that about 40% of all buildings still have single pane windows. This is like just one layer of glass. Yeah. Um, that accounts or amounts to several billion square feet of, of window area that is ready to be upgraded. Um, you have you have a lot of other buildings that have, you know, sort of not single pane, but low performing double pane windows. So you're looking at 70% of the existing building stock is ready to be retrofitted and in need of up- an upgrade. And this is not just the U.S., it's globally. There are estimates that this is like a $9.5 trillion market opportunity of facade or window retrofit. So it's it's massive. Yeah. Uh, and the potential impact on the climate and carbon is huge because windows account for up to 40% of the energy loss in buildings. So, wow. Yeah. 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 No, it, that's... It's enormous, um, an, an enormous impact um, that you you will be having. And where where did you start gaining your first sort of market entry points and market traction? So um, it was it was in the U.S. Um, you know, back to the accelerators and programs. So we went through uh, one program with Greentown Labs in Boston, and uh, we were able to partner with a. Uh, a major global uh, player in the industry, Saint-Gobain, and uh, we were, uh, they were the first early adopter. So we did the first pilot installation with them in Boston on their uh, North America Research Center. And uh, that got us the first customer. And, you know, from there, you know, we were able to uh, do installations all over the U.S. and uh, now looking at Canada and Europe and Singapore so um, that was, I would say, the, the first key market entry point for us. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it, it sounds like things sort of developed quite quickly, but were there any, um, w- did you encounter any real resistance to adopting the technology from the sector? Because okay. I, I, I know, especially in infrastructure, it can be one of the slowest areas to change. Absolutely. Really hard to break through. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, until until now, you know, you you'll see people that uh, they don't want to be like the first to adopt a new technology in a new city, for example, and they want to be the number two. So from the early days, because we're we're kind of pushing the boundaries of you know uh, facade engineering, building envelope uh, systems to on many aspects, and uh, uh, they you know investors wanted to see 
you know, fabricated system uh, and already tested and uh, early adopters wanted to see first installations or mock-ups or pilots. So there's always this kind of a next milestone or, 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 a, or a validation point that, you know, the next, you know, step or people are looking for. So uh, from early days, we, we had to deal with that. And uh, for example, to give you just a small example, um, we, we don't use any mechanical fasteners in our system. So we rely on structural glazing materials. Um, and when you tell people, it's basically adhesive, but it's not, not like you're off the shelf adhesive. Uh, so when you tell people from outside the industry that we're, you know, we're attaching the system using these kind of materials, they, you know, they start to imagine windows falling off buildings and things like that. And, uh, so we had to, be very creative and demonstrating how, how, you know, our system's safe and have been tested and do all these kind of tests and show industry reports and third party, uh, you know, reports and things like that. Now it's good because we've had installations for like three years, zero, zero failure rates and, uh, um, you know, great track record to show and in, you know, early adopters and projects all over the country. So it's, it's, it was very hard at the beginning on a number of things. So. Yeah, hard yeah. tech is hard. <laughs> it is. It is. No, I, I know because I, I you know I speak to lots of different climate tech entrepreneurs, and and I, I'm just well aware that infrastructure is is especially hard to to break into, and um, yeah. very very often it's the mental resistance. Yeah, because it's a sector that people just haven't changed much in for so long. Yeah, very risk averse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I just want to go back into the entrepreneurial journey and, um, you know, you've, you've gotten off to a great start. You've received awards. You've got VC backing. Uh, you, your, your product is already and service is already expanding all over the U.S. and you're, you're going to be moving into Canada soon. Um, but I, I'd like to know a little bit about what, what the challenges were on the way, what were some of the hardest parts of the journey? Because everybody knows that it's very hard to be an entrepreneur <laughs> and there are ups and downs. So can you just, yeah, share something about the biggest challenges that you encountered? Well, I mean, the, the first few years, the two, three years was purely R&D. And, you know, I can tell you there was literally blood, sweat and tears in every almost every step of the process of the R&D and, and product development, technology development phase, uh, it was a, on a very, very tight budget, almost like bootstrapping technically. So that was, you know, there, there would be certain moments where uh, you spend, you've spent a year or more and still everything could fall apart because, you know, the next few, few tests are like very, very important. So if you fail in those tests, you don't have the money to repeat the tests and that will be sort of like a kill switch basically to the entire thing. And so you just imagine devoting time, resources and everything for, for like a, two years. And there's like this key test that you're waiting for. Oh uh, that's, you know, and I would tell my wife, like, look, you know, I'm going tomorrow to this place. We're going to be doing tests. If it passes and succeeds, we're moving forward. If not, then we'll be. <laughs> kind of uh going back to uh to finding a job uh, in the industry and uh you know starting over <laughs> yeah yeah there 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 was a lot of these moments and uh yeah. i mean we're fortunate that we're we're over over this kind of technology uh feasibility uh phase uh, at this point so yeah 
And, and what about, you know, getting your, your initial bit of funding? Like you said, you were almost bootstrapping. Um, and it's it's very hard in the beginning to get someone to believe in your idea, right? Especially where you have such a long R&D period, which could be very expensive. And like you said, it may or may not work. But was that something that came, you know, did it come easily or... Oh no, nothing is easy. Oh, okay, nothing's easy. That's true. <laughs> Especially, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of challenges. I don't know people, uh, you know, uh, if they if they've um, experienced that uh, or all entrepreneurs experience that. But uh, just being a foreigner in and coming to the U.S., um, I, I didn't have like the network here, and uh, you know, language was not you know it's not my first language. Uh, a few years ago, it's much better now, but. Just imagine trying to explain and talk, you know, about what you're trying to do in non, in your, in a second language. And you're this foreigner coming from outside and you're asking people to trust you and to give you money. So it was, it was very, very hard. And I want to say that, uh, we went through, you know, some, uh, uh, investment, um, kind of frowns, uh, beginning kind of very small, just to raise some funding to be able to build the first iteration of the system and do these, uh, industry standard tests and when we got our first angel investor our first angel investor wrote a check on his own uh, after going through uh, the clean tech open accelerator program and he was one of the advisors so he's he's witnessed uh, uh, sort of the, the team the work and everything for like six months and then uh, uh, wrote the first check uh, from an angel group and and then people followed him and then we won the international the national award from clean tech open which kind of gave us more validation but that first check and I keep telling him he, he's he's one of our board director ended up investing five times so far and um, one of our larger largest investors I tell him you're a true angel investor in the meaning you know like I if I want to describe exactly what an angel investor is it's it's him. Because without that first check, there would be no interviews today, literally. And it was, it was, it was not like, a, we're not talking about millions. It was a $50,000 check. Yeah, yeah. But that enabled me to really uh, fund the next few months to be able to continue working on this and be able to build the first system and go through the first test and then get the rest of the funding from other angel investors. So, awesome. yeah. So he, he was quite literally your 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 angel, <laughs> your your angel investor and your angel who helped you get. Started. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So, did, but did you did you have any moments where where you or or even your wife or or you know your friend or someone sort of or or sorry colleagues just felt like giving up? Yeah. Um, I, for example, that that moment, I was you know I I told my wife after a year of um, so I was doing my master's degree in, in architecture and I told my school like look. This is what this is the topic that I'm going to be doing my master thesis on, and um, it's a bit too technical for a traditional architectural master thesis. So they were very supportive. They told me, you know, we'll, we'll give you the green light, do whatever you want. That got me another year to be able to devote full time my time on this, but it, I was not making any money. Basically, it's like there's there's no revenue, there's no work, there's nothing. I quit my job in Boston and moved to Houston to be able to do that. Wow. And and we moved in with uh, with family to be able to you know cut costs to almost nothing, but after a year you know you'll see that you'll feel the pressure. So I told my wife, look, you know the next if by the end of you know the next month we don't secure any funding, I'll stop and then I will put this on the back burner and uh, we'll go find a you know an, a job or or something like that. So that was when you know I was kind of 
tell you the truth, ready to give up. You know, although it's not really my part of my personality or nature to do that, but it was it was it was too challenging at the point uh, at the time to do it on my own, continuing without any sort of funding. So that was one of the moments. But yeah, you got through. And and what was it that actually you know made you push through? Sort of through those times, was it just like a deep belief in, in your idea and that it, that it can work? And if so, yeah, what, I mean, what gave it, you that, that deep conviction? It's look, it's, it's a combination of things. Um, you know, dedication, persistence, believing in what you're doing, and then, you know, having the support of who, who are around you. Basically my wife was like fully, fully supportive of this um, made me able to really push through these tough moments and early days, uh, you know, um, and, you know, growing up in Syria, also uh, being an architect, you know, all of these play a role. Uh, for example, when you're an architect, you, you're used to kind of these uh, long cycles of development. You start working on a project and it's like an idea on paper and you, you see it come through until it's built after several years. It's, there's that joy of seeing your idea built in the world and, and making an impact it keeps you moving. You know, uh, you'll, you'll be able to see that you're, you're kind of making a real impact. Um, so yeah, a combination of things, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it, it does. It take, it takes a village, doesn't it? To make something happen. And, and, yeah. you, and the fact that, you know, you're with your background, you were already used to building and developing projects, yeah. So, yeah. You you had a sense of an idea of what it takes to build something. Yeah. Uh, were there any other really pivotal moments um, in building the company that kind of stand out to you as you know th- these were were key points where that got me on the path to success? Yeah. I mean, look, um, the 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 first investor, the first accelerator, the first uh, installation. Yeah. Um, for example, the first installation was was an experience on its own. You know, you, you build you build things, and in the lab you test them, and everything works, and you know everything's good. But when you go and do something on a building in the real world, it's totally different. So um, we've done a lot of things where you know we had to go back to the drawing board and, and edit and modify things, and, and go back and. And still, we, we have, uh, you know, we do developments and improve and, and work on, you know, with the next iterations of the systems and the products. So um, these kind of first of everything is like really every, every one of them is like a key pivotal moment. The first investor, the first accelerator, the first installation, the first test, the first patent, yes. uh, you name it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. It's it, it is. It's the start. That's the hardest. You know, the the very early stage start. That that's yeah. Yeah. And and, and that's that's make or break. Yeah, those those very early stages. Exactly. Um, exactly. Uh, so, what kind of impact have you had so far? Uh, sort of in, environmental impact, social impact. Yeah, I mean, we we try to track the impact of our installations. Uh, the latest update was that we're we're saving or reducing carbon emissions by a hundred tons uh, annually. So, um, and we're you know we're on a path to to really make much more impact with some of the potential projects that are in our pipeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the the potential impact you know at scale 
we're looking at close to half a gigaton to a gigaton of reduced uh, emissions on a global basis. So that's that's huge. That's truly outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how do you keep as your company? How many are 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 part of your team right now? We're about ten people full okay. time and uh, and a couple part time. Yeah. Um, how do you keep your team engaged and, and focused on the mission as you grow? Well, it's transparency at the the you know at the beginning. It's it's very important to keep everyone you know involved in everything that is happening in the company and you know telling them you know where we are, what kind of challenges we have, and how everyone's role make a, a significant impact on the overall mission. Um, uh, Trusting people to be leaders in their in their roles, and uh, you know, making them uh, giving them the authority and ownership of what they're doing, and uh, th- that's that's also I felt was was important. Um, so, transparency and, and trust, I would say. Yeah, no, very important points. And um, what what are three key lessons that you've learned? Through, through your journey of building a nose that you can share with other entrepreneurs? Well, the first one is don't do it alone. So I'm a solo founder. If, if anyone can start uh, with co-founders, that's, that's definitely better. Uh, but at the same time, I've heard a lot of terrible stories about, you know, founder teams not, you know, um, uh, going well together and uh, ended up breaking the startup. So make sure to choose and be thoughtful about who you bring as co-founders, but uh, yeah, don't, don't do it alone. Um, I would say going through joining an, an incubator that is relevant to your, to one's business, or at least doing going through one accelerator program is really, really helpful. Um, build a network. You, you get to, especially for first time founders. Yeah. It's, I would say it's very, very important. So. No. Good point. Good point. But but you 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 managed as a as a sole founder, I, and I suppose because you said you did have strong support. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I would I would consider my my wife as my co-founder really at the early days. You know, I would, she knows about every little detail. She <laughs> <laughs> was the primary person I would talk to about anything, any challenges, any any kind of uh, pain points and things like that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So what's ahead um, for you? What are, what are your, your plans for, for sort of scaling and growing? Yeah, I mean, look, 2022, despite everything that's happening, uh, was really a, a breakout year for interviews. We've um, uh, kind of finished doing some major pilots and uh, and uh, started building sort of like a pipeline of potential projects. And we're at $50 million plus in terms of potential projects that are lined up in our pipeline in the US and uh, signed um, MOUs for uh, for deals that are worth over 10 million. Uh, so we're looking to raise a 10 million Series A in the next few months to be able to scale up our team and operations so that we can execute these multi-million dollar projects. Yeah. Uh, we've got several partnerships done um, and uh, a number of other things that will be announced soon. So we're, we're excited about 2023 and 2024. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, uh, oh, oh, I forgot to ask you, where did the name Novus come from? 
So it's interviews and it's from innovative views. And、oh, uh, okay. yeah, yeah. If you think about like windows and, you know, people want to get that connection to the outdoors, we're, we're out, out, outdoor creatures. And the window is the, the, the point that gives you that view to the outside. So that's the common thing about all windows, all, all glass facades and things like that. So innovative views we're giving for existing buildings. I like it. <laughs> yeah, innovative views. Uh, I'm going to move on to, to five、uh, final questions that I ask all my interviewees.、Um, what's your mantra or life philosophy? Well, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist.、Um, uh, I, I believe,、uh, you know, like in the law of attraction. So、um, I'm always positive、um, and、uh, always have this, this belief that, you know, if with hard work and dedication,、uh, Anything is possible. So that's, that's that makes、right. two of us. <laughs>、uh, what, what, what's one thing about you that few people know? To be honest, I, I,、uh, <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Do you have、uh, any weird, weird hobbies? <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head.、Uh, I'm, I'm a very open person, so I don't know anything that people don't know. <laughs>、yeah. you're, you're, you're a secret、uh, chef. No. All right. All right. Well, we'll keep going.、Um, what about daily rituals? Do you have any daily rituals that help to keep you grounded? Yeah. I mean, meditation and exercise, these are very, very important to me on a daily basis.、Uh, without them,、uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to, to push forward. So, yeah. Good ones. Yeah. And is there a mentor or role model who's been highly influential in your life?、Um, there are. There are several of them.、Uh, they're not like super well known or super well known. It's just,、uh, you know, Personal, uh, uh, you know,、uh, mentors that have been very, very important throughout, you know, from my early days of childhood, uh, uh, including, you know, obviously my dad, my, grand, my grandfather, and、uh, my dad was a true entrepreneur. And、uh, I watched him, you know, push forward on new ideas, new solutions, new businesses, new technology throughout his life and kind of worked with him.、Uh, In, in multiple phases. So I was like experiencing exactly what it takes and, and how that、uh, uh, c o m e to fruition. And so that, that, that's one. The others, I would prefer to keep them secret people. <laughs> <Okay> . Well, that's fine. No, yeah, I can remember that. My parents built the charity over 25 years. And I think for me, you know, it's similar when you have experience firsthand seeing someone build something. Yeah. It, it definitely, even, even on a subconscious level, I think it gives you this,、yeah. this idea that, oh, I can build something. It's, it's、exactly. not as hard. I mean, it's, it's extremely hard, but it's possible, you know,、exactly. if, if, you, if you persevere with things. Yeah. yeah.、Um, and if you could teleport yourself into your future 10 years or so down the line and be anywhere doing anything, where would you be and why? Oh, difficult question. Look, look you know, One of the reasons I, I wanted to, to start interviews is one, to leave an impact on the built environment world, but the other one is to, to have the resources so that I can make an impact on the issues that I believe in.、Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so I always envision that hopefully, if, if this turns to a successful venture and uh, uh, in the future, I would, I would love to 
work on a few things related to my home country, you know, improving education, improving the situation there. And uh, so Fantastic. I would say, yeah, Syria would be, would be a, 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 you know, a key focus for me to, to kind of make things better for, for new generations there. Yeah, that's great. And it's so needed. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Marianne. Appreciate it.